Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. And we're back on this beautiful sunny morning here in Sunny Slope. It couldn't be much prettier. And let, looks like even with just that little bit of rain, a little tinge of green out there in the mountains. Of course, that may be a little tinge of green in the weeds coming up in your yard, too. But, you know, who knows? A couple more good rainstorms, we might have some beautiful spring wildflowers. That's what it all takes. Uh, we got three lines still available. Number to call 602-277-5827. 277-KTR. We can talk about the landscape of your dreams, your nightmares, what to grow, how to grow it, why to grow it, where to grow it. And uh, we're here in a beautiful time of year in the desert, you know, especially if you like cool mornings, you know, mornings down some places into the 40s right now. And uh, afternoons in the 60s, it was certainly a, a beautiful day at the football game yesterday. And uh, it was nice not to have any rain. And uh that's as much as we're going to say about that football game yesterday. Doesn't need to be talked about much more. <laughs> but at any rate, uh, give us a call, 602-277-5827-277. KTAR, Paula in Phoenix. Good morning, Paula. Good morning, Brian. It's Thanksgiving weekend, and I'm thankful for your show because I enjoy it every Sunday morning. Well, you know what was so fun is, Paula, I, I get the opportunity to come do this show. And, um, you know, we have such wonderful people here in the Valley and so many fun people to talk to. And uh, gardening is such an easy topic, you know, <laughs> and we, we take more calls than any program in the, in the state, maybe even in the country. And we just love when you guys call because I get to learn. You know, there's just lots of things that we can have fun with. Okay. Well, here's my problem. Um, about six weeks ago, I went to turn my compost and opened up the lid and my compost is one of those that i got for five dollars from the city years mm -hmm. ago that it's just a garbage can with the bottom sawed off and i've used it for years and it's been fine so anyway open my compost there's a nice big healthy rat there <laughs> i i was in such a state of shock i've been in my house 25 years never seen a rat and because I was in such shock, I lost my opportunity to stab him with my compost thing. <laughs> so he ran off. Um, later that day, I found a dead rat in my yard. And I have two dogs. So one of my dogs is a good, you know, I know he's killed um, other things before, but... That, anyway, that, I that was it, that was that's I, a good know. dog, Paul. I like that dog. We used to have one named Poacher that used to eat gophers. Poacher was my favorite dog because yes. she used to hunt gophers. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so I, me, me and my son went into like this rat war mode. We got the spikes for the orange tree and we got some camphor to hang around like the garden and the compost and stuff. We haven't seen a rat ever since, but I live north of Metro Center. So I'm thinking maybe because of the construction, they're kind of mixing things up and someone's looking for a new home. But anyway, I put it on the Nextdoor app and somebody put on the Nextdoor app that in my compost, I should put a mixture of vinegar and Dawn dish soap. And so I've been doing that when I turn my compost like every week or two, uh -huh. which I admit that in the past I was really bad about turning my compost, but now I'm trying to be religious about it because I certainly don't want any rats. So I'm wondering, is that okay to do? Is that, oh, yeah, you know, well, I thought about 
getting rid of the compost altogether because I don't, you know, want to attract rats. I would I wouldn't give up on the compost, and you're really not attracting a rat. Well, probably why you saw the rat is because uh, the compost is heating up, so it's warm, you know, and that was a place for the rat to escape, and it was dark, and he could hide under the lid there, and uh, yeah. find a nice little place to hide. And so any anytime there's a nice place to hide that's warm that can get out of the you know away from the predators, that's where the rats are going to go. You know, here in the valley, we have a lot more foxes now. We have plenty of owls and uh, lots of other creatures like, you know, coyotes and bobcats that like to eat the rats. And, you know, really a good dog or a good cat can do a pretty good job on keeping them away from your house. So I wouldn't be overly concerned. You know, there are rats all over the valley now. We didn't used to have these you know, roof rats here 20 years ago, but about 20 years ago, they started moving in and they've kind of spread throughout the valley. But, uh, you know, for the most part, they're not a big problem. You can use live traps and snap traps and all different kinds of traps. I certainly don't recommend ever using poison to kill them because then you kill the predators and you could even kill your dog. So, right. you know, stay right. away from poisons. But uh, they're not too hard to trap, but you have to stay diligent. And if you see signs and see another one, um, you'd want to go after them. But I can certainly understand being inside the compost bin because it would be warm and protection and dark. And so that's a, a natural place for a rat to hide. And um, I, I wouldn't really be overly concerned. And turning your compost, uh, it depends on how hot it is. You know, you basically, if you're making a big, you know, giant mix of compost, what we're trying to do is get the heat, okay? And the heat is what helps it break down. But it needs air by turning it, and it needs heat. So as long as you're adding some moisture to it, and if you want it to compost even faster, you could add a little bit of nitrogen to it. It'll compost just fine. And uh, the, the rat was just looking for a place to hide. But... Hopefully your dog's named okay. Poacher and got him. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that that was a different rat than what I saw, which was kind of concerning. But So it's okay to do, because I noticed since I've been doing this vinegar and the Dawn dish soap, mm -hmm. I used to always have roaches in my compost, and mm -hmm. I'm not seeing roaches anymore, which is nice. You know what but else works okay re really well, too, against rats is Irish Spring. Oh, okay. They cannot stand Irish Spring. And it doesn't, I'm allergic to it too. But if you take Can a little, I put that in my compost? Yeah, just take a, take a bar of Irish Spring and just sit it in your compost and pull it out when you turn it and put it back in. And uh, it's really good repellent for rats. Yeah. Okay. And it might, and I don't know if it works on the roaches as well, but uh, it probably would. Um, work on me. I won't climb in your compost pile if you have Irish Spring in there, I promise. <laughs> All right. I, well, you would really scare me if you were in my <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, Brian. Thank you, Paula. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Now, that leaves us with wide-open phones, folks, and uh, we've got uh, Shira here and, and Xander. We have the we have the dual team here today. Give us a call at 602-277-5827, 277-KTR. Don't let me forget Susan Monday here with the news as well. And we've got a, a great team here this morning. Uh, call us. We could talk about anything you want to grow, water, plant, fertilize, or kill. And uh, we could talk a little bit about frost protection right now because, you know, this is the time of year when you can see the mornings are getting cooler. We haven't had a freeze in several years to mount anything anyway some of the colder areas a little bit but um, it's a good thing to do a couple different things number one it's kind of hard to tell what your temperatures are overnight versus the airport because the airport's going to be warmer uh for the most part and um unless you're in a you know really low area it's probably you know you're gonna be you know, maybe up up to 10 degrees colder so if you get out pick your favorite news source if hopefully it's here at uh 
you know, a KTAR, but whatever news source you want to take, check the temperatures about 5.30 to 7 o'clock in the mornings. Usually it's the coldest at 7. It starts to get cold about 5.30. But right around 7, 8 o'clock is usually the coldest part of the day. Um, get your own thermometer. Check your temperature so that you can be, you know, have a news source you can rely on for the temperature. And then be prepared to cover things. And uh, there are places that are going to hit in the 30s here pretty soon. Because if we get down to 40 degrees at the airport, that means you're going to be freezing in the colder valley areas. Doesn't mean you have to protect everything. But if you have very tender frost plants, and, and one that I can think of that's gotten very popular is, you know, plumerias or... Um, you might have some papayas. Perhaps you have a mango tree. A lot more tropicals being grown here now. And and those things will require some protection. So best way to protect them, number one, is wet plants. And as the water freezes, it basically generates heat. If we cover plants with an envelope, and the best thing to cover with is frost cloth. If not, just the cotton sheet's pretty good. And if it's going to be extremely cold, you can put a light bulb in and you get not one of the new LEDs, but you need one that generates heat like an old heat lamp type light bulb underneath, and that will generate a lot of heat. Those will give you more protection than anything else. Out at the farms, we use things like wind machines. So out if you drive by our farm out there in Germain off of uh, Signal Butte, you'll see all these wind machines there. And if you happen to go by there in the morning when it's cold, it'll sound like we've got 20 helicopters flying around the field. Well, we don't have any helicopters, but how, the, how those wind machines work is they take the inversion layer from up down and they push it down low. So it pushes the heat down and pushes the cold away and cold settles. And so that's why the, the difference. And if you've ever been around a campfire and the smoke's getting in your eyes, that means there's an inversion layer. It's not going straight up. So that's how the inversion layer works. But those things all work well. And um, But the most important thing is be mindful and know kind of what your temperatures are going to be and have an idea of what plants you have that are going to be frost tender. And as best we can, I'll always alert you uh, as soon as I can to temperatures that are going to be freezing. Uh, we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back with Karen of Phoenix, and we do have three more lines open. The number to call is 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Addicted to the drama, only attracted to things that'll bring the trauma. Overseas, yeah, we trying to stop terrorism, but we still got terrorists here living in the USA, the big CIA, the Bloods and the Crips and the KKK. But if you only have love for your own race, then you only leave space to discriminate, and to discriminate only generates hate. And when you hate, then you're bound to get irate. Yeah, madness is what you demonstrate, and that's exactly how anger works and operates. Man, you gotta have love just to set it straight. Take control of your mind and meditate. Let your soul gravitate to the love, y'all. Y'all killing, people dying, children hurting, you hear them crying. Can you practice what you preach? And would you turn the other cheek? Father, 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 help us. Send some guidance from above. These people got me, got me questioning. Always new change, new days are strange. Is the world insane? If love and peace are so strong, why are the pieces of love that don't belong? Nations dropping bombs, chemical gases filling lungs of little ones with ongoing suffering. As the youth are young, so ask yourself, is the loving really gone? So I could ask myself, really, what is going wrong in this world that we live in? People keep on giving in, making wrong decisions, only visions of them dividends, not respecting each other, denying thy brother. A war is going on, but the reason's undercover. The truth is kept. 
secret is swept under the rug. If you never know truth, then you never know love. What's the love, yo? Come on, I don't know. What's the truth, yo? Come on, I don't know. What's the love, yo? People killing, people dying, children hurt, and you hear them crying. Practice what you preach and what you turn the other cheek. Father, 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 help us. Beautiful song. We don't play much rap on this show, but that's as good as it gets. <laughs> okay, Karen in Phoenix, good morning. Hello. Hi, Karen. Yeah, hi. I have um, two different trees with two different questions. Okay. Okay, I have uh, three Texas ebony trees in my backyard to hide the two-story houses behind me. And one tree has boars. And somebody told me that Whenever they get finished eating, they'll just go somewhere else. Well, that's, that's kind of true. I don't know. Well, that's kind of true. But here's Karen. Here's why the Ebony's get boars, and here's how we can work with the boars to get rid of the boars. Okay? okay. So the boars are basically flat-headed boars, and it comes from a beetle that moves around in the spring, and then they they drill a hole into the tree and they put their larva in there, and it becomes a worm. It's about an inch and a half long. And unless you're a crappie fisherman, you don't have any good use for the worm. If you want to grow crappie fishing, you could cut the bark off and get the worm out and go fishing. But uh, oh. most most people aren't going to do that. So mm -hmm. how, how the tree defends itself, its natural defense mechanism is by putting out sap and drowning the boars when they first start to bore in the tree. And the problem with all these people that like to party is they like to party in groups. So when the boars hit the tree, they, you know, they put out a pheromone and then all the other boars come to the tree and they bore into your tree and they eat the cambium layer. Um, so we want to stop them from eating the cambium layer. So you can treat the tree with a product. Any, you know, there's a whole group of bear products that can train an active ingredient of chloripid. Not really that important to remember the ingredient because it's in most of those bear products, but it could be a grub control or, or insect control or disease control. But anyway, it's, it's going to all be in these bear products. But the tree in itself can defend itself pretty well if it's got more water. Uh, Texas Ebony's come from South Texas and Mexico where they get, you know, a lot more rain than we do. You know, they get about 50 oh. or 60 inches of rain a year there. You know, we get last year we've had three and a half, you know. So when the, yeah. when the temperatures are hot and the trees are stressed and don't have enough water, the boars can win. Um, so well, I've been watering um, once a month. And that's not summer, that's not near enough. That's not okay. enough. No. Okay. Uh, uh, this summer, okay, with the weather that we had, you know, it was 110 plus every day in July. They should have been watered mm -hmm. heavy probably once a week. Oh. Okay. okay. And so they were distressed, and it's this no, you know, no fault of yours because we just didn't understand, and I should have probably been more persistent on the phone, to, you know, on the radio, people water, but it's really important for those trees to have ample water, especially in June, July, and August. Okay. And there was right. no humidity, okay. so they were really stressed. So I don't know how much damage they've done this year, and it varies around from tree to tree in, in places. Oh, it's in the been going on for a couple of years with okay. that one tree only. And out of the three, it's the middle one. Well, it probably is and not getting enough branches. water. And the other problem is once they've been in and done their damage, then the tree is weak. 
Okay, so they've already weakened the tree because what they do is they go into the bark and they cut the little cambium layer out, and that's how the tree uh-huh. transpires the moisture up and down through the tree. And so that takes the tree's ability to protect itself away. So I would treat them. Um, you can treat them now. I don't know if the, the worms are still in there, but it probably wouldn't be a bad idea to go ahead and treat right now. Definitely treat them again uh, about the 15th of April, and probably I would treat them one more time in the middle of July. Okay, and in Just addition... Squirt- Squirt that stuff in the hole? No, you're, you're going to mix it with water, and you're going to put it down when you irrigate, okay? And it's going to go systemically oh. from the tree's roots up through the tree, and it's going to make mm. the tree toxic to the to the beetles. And then, again, oh, to I the see. worms, okay? Okay. Uh, and then I had landscaping done, so I have basically my whole backyard is bricked, and then they put... They bricked around a square around each tree and mm-hmm. put stones. Okay. So I water deeply, and I, I make sure they said as wide as the trunk, that's how many gallons of water you give a tree. Well, how, how you water the trees if they're in a well like that. Okay, so irrigation water, when you put it in around that, in that area that's left open, okay, it's called it sub. Uh-huh. So it subs, so it moves down into the soil, then it moves sideways and laterally through the soil and spreads out. Okay, so you don't really, you know, people are really concerned sometimes with watering a tree out by the drip line and the outside edge and all those kind of things. That's really right. not not that important. What's really important okay. is you put enough water in close to that trunk of the tree to go into the ground and then spread close to the width of the tree. Okay, and that's going to take. Okay, now in the winter. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. But in the winter, how much? water should it get? Well, once a month's plenty. I mean, I, what I would do right for right now, okay, is I would go ahead and pick up some chemical, you know, put it, mix it up with water, put it around the tree, irrigate it long enough to get that one good deep soak, and that's going to put that chemical all the way out to all the feeder roots in the tree. So then the tree can take mm-hmm. it up, okay? And after you, okay. after you do that this time of year, you probably don't need to water it again until February. But what's really critical is that they get plenty of water in the heat of the summer. Right. Okay. Um, thank you for that. And then I have a mesquite tree in the front that was planted around 2006, and half of the tree, the big limb, died. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of stone around it. And I really wasn't watering that tree. Should that have been watered? Is well, that the, the other cool to- part about watering our trees a lot in the summer, Karen, is like a big mesquite tree underneath the canopy can be 25 degrees cooler than the ambient temperature around because it's transpiring moisture. So if you want to cool your whole property down and help have cool the city of Phoenix down, uh, it's great to water trees deep and regularly in the heat of the summer when it's really hot. And it also really preserves the trees. That's the tree's natural, you know, way to grow. So if you will, next summer, when it's 110, water that tree once a week, uh, it'll come back wonderfully. Now, the part that's dead, you'll probably want to prune. Yeah, okay, so should I wait to spring or do it now? Well, one good irrigation now is great. You know, you can water once now and once again in February. But water them once I know, right now. cutting the dead limbs. Whenever you like, it doesn't matter. The- they're they're, they're oh, dead. They're okay. not going to come back out. And you could prune okay, the tree and balance has- the shape. Okay, and it has no thorns, and it's mm-hmm. like a medium-height tree? It's probably a Chilean mesquite. Oh, Chilean, yeah, right, mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you very much thank for you, Karen. all this information. Yeah. And you can always go back to the uh, KTAR Whitfield Nursery website and you can pull up all this and hear the conversation as many times as you like. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Jason in Peoria. Good morning, Jason. Hey, good morning. Uh, Long time listener, first time caller. Nice, uh, nice to chat with you, Brian. Jason, you're a little um, static. You're like you're in the wind or something? 
Uh, is it any better here? That's much better. Sorry about that. Uh, we moved to Phoenix from Florida about a year ago, so I inherited a bunch of trees and plants that I don't really know about and don't have a lot of exposure to. So I got some pruning questions for three plants that I've got in my yard. So for starters, I got Vitex, and I want to get that thing to keep blooming again and again and again. And I've heard that if you cut the seed pods off, that will trigger it to, to release blooms again. So how do I how do oh, I trim this? Not, not as much with those, uh, Jason. That would work kind of really well for a crepe myrtle. But as far as the bloom cycle, it's going to have a pretty determinate bloom cycle. And, um, you know, for but pruning a Vitex right now is a great time of year to prune it. Prune it up, open it up, shape it up, cut back all the wood on the outside, get it pruned up. And then it'll be ready to go for the spring. So that that's a fantastic thing to do. But it's not going to really, in, in, you know, spread out the bloom cycle much. Okay. Um, how about lavender? I've, uh, you know, you buy those lavender at the store. They got the nice big purple blooms. And then a short time later, they start to dehydrate and fade. Uh, how do you trim those back to get those keep blooming? Well, there's a lot of different varieties. The hardiest one here is called fern leaf lavender, and it has kind of a more open fern-looking leaf. But um, they'll bloom in cycles, but you can, as soon as the cycle finishes blooming, if you'll prune them back, they'll come back and, and, and bloom again sooner. So okay, and just trim off all, all the heads? And- yeah, just trim off all the heads and prune the whole plant back to where it's just foliage and, and let it come back and regenerate. And, uh, you know, lavenders vary. Okay. There's, there's probably 25 lavender varieties grown here in the valley. Um, the Spanish lavenders, and like I say, this fern leaf lavender is a really good one, but there's English and French and all different kinds of lavenders. And, uh, and they do vary a fair bit from variety to variety. But just as a general rule is when they finish blooming, if you'll prune all this, kind of deadhead them back like it would as geranium, take all the old bloom off, they will come back and bloom sooner. Okay, that sounds good. Uh, and my third plant is the uh, iceberg roses. We had a couple of jasmine that were over next to a wall that just didn't do well this summer because they were too young. So we pulled those out, got some planters, and put some iceberg roses in there, and they're just starting to open up and bloom. So okay. I want to keep those guys looking good, too. Well, how do, I, can do, how do I deal with those as they mature? Well, for right now, you know, if I don't know when you last fed them. But they, they like to eat a lot. So you can feed them again now because they'll continue to grow, you know, through the winter. And uh, and just pretty much moderate pruning on those in between cycles of flowers. But the floribundas, and they'll bloom about 10 months a year. And uh, if, if you'll just take... Yeah, that's what I've heard. You can keep going. Yeah, and they really will keep going. And there's no reason to cut them back, especially on new plants. You know, heavy like we would other roses, like a hybrid tea in, the, in January. Uh, on the icebergs, just a little bit of corrective pruning here and there and just take off the old blooms and... Uh, uh, and keep them well fed. You know, one of the best things to keep roses happy here is to feed them on a regular basis. But you can feed them now and then again in the middle of February. And probably about every four to six weeks in the spring, if you're really depending on how what kind of fertilizer you're using. But uh, that'll really help them stay in bloom. And the blooms will get kind of, you know, thin and smaller in the heat of the summer. But then if you'll cut them back like in uh, August or late late August, early September by about a third. And then you'll come back and you'll get a really nice bloom cycle all the way through the fall. Okay. I'm, yeah, I'm using the uh, Osmocot granules on them. Well, They're supposed to last Osmocot, well, it lasts two months here in the summertime. It'll last about four okay. months here this time of year. Okay. Is that a sufficient uh, nutrient oh, source? It's a, a great fertilizer, and it's easy to use. Yeah, and it'll work very well. Okay, perfect. Thanks, right. Brian. Thanks, Jason. Bye-bye. Ah, looks like the clock rolled over to third. Oh, look at that. Susan Monday's in the studio, folks. She's back in here ready with the news. We'll be right back after the news with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. In the interim, you can give uh, Shira a call 
And the number to call here for the studio is 602-277-5827. We're here with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show every Sunday from 7 to 9 a.m. on 92.3 FM KTAR. Sunday morning out there, and uh, the skies are just bright as could be here in Sunny Slope with a light, you know, probably five knot breeze. Per- perfect time, perfect day to be out. Uh, we've got uh, two lines still available. Number to call 602 277 5827 277 KTAR. Frank and Phoenix, good morning. Hey, Brian, good morning. Hey, I got uh, my question is about sod. What are your thoughts about putting sod down this time of year? Well, I mean, if you want to have a beautiful holiday season, there's no reason to plant sod right now. And um, okay. when you plant it this time of year, it's going to be overseeded, Frank. And what's really important is uh, you determine which sod you want to put in, you know, for your f- future use in the summertime. The, the ryegrass is all going to be the same. Are you going to have a lot of traffic? Yeah. Okay. Then I, if you have a lot of traffic, like if you want to do a football field, you got a bunch of big guys running like they run around ASU yesterday. Um, you probably want Tiffway 419. Okay. And it's, uh, where, it's do you, uh, where do you buy that at? Well, there's several sod companies here in town and they'll all sell direct to you. I'm not going to give you a list of names. If you just uh, Google sod and there's, there's okay. one out in Gilbert and there's a really good one that we've dealt with a lot. Uh, well, there's a really nice one in Scottsdale and there's a really good one down in Maricopa. And I'm not going to, they're all three friends. So I'm not going to pick a, pick one for you. You, you can pick okay. one. And uh, some of them can install it for you and some won't. 
And uh, you know what? You really do you have an existing lawn there now, Frank? Well, right now it's uh, it's dirt. It's packed dirt, and they want to um, tie the sod into into the existing grass because the the dogs kind of uh, destroyed the grass that was there before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you want to you want you want to keep them off it for a while. It wouldn't be a bad idea yeah. if it's real compacted there. How big area are you talking it, about? It's a small area. It's maybe a little over a hundred square feet. Okay, so you could either you know it's kind of hard if you got clay. Where are you located in Phoenix? What cross street? Thirty uh, second uh, Street in in uh, Union Hills. Yeah, it's probably not terrible. You could you know if you could turn it over there, maybe go run a rototiller and rototill some gypsum into it. Uh, okay. That that would help it. Just rake it out and then put down some uh, 1620 fertilizer and, and roll the sod out. And I think some of these guys will deliver to different places here in town. I know they deliver some to like Sprinkler World in Central Phoenix, but there's probably other places if you talk to the sod companies where they deliver it to that you okay. could pick it up or, you know, you could have a contractor come put it in for you. And, um, okay. yeah, and so, it, you know, it's great to put in this time of year because it'll fill up. You'll have to keep the dogs off it for a while. Um, yeah, we, we got some temporary fencing we're going to put up. So we're, we're kind of aware of that, but, um, I just didn't know if the sod, if the grass was going to be kind of slow to grow or. Well, it's going to come over seeded. So it's going to come seeded with rye grass on top this time of year. Okay, because okay, if you put in just regular, you know, like the Tifway 419, just straight Tifway 419, it won't grow this time of year, and it'll just kind of sit there. And Not that it wouldn't make it eventually, but, you know, if you're going to have something pretty to look at this time of year, throw in some overseeded with rye on it. And then the other critical part with that is in about the middle of April, shut the water off it for a few weeks and kill the rye. Okay. Okay, cool. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, Frank. Uh, Cynthia in Phoenix. Good morning, Cynthia. Hi, good morning, Brian. I love your program. You have so much information on it. Um, okay, my problem is is that I transplanted a fig tree, and in the uh, circle that I put the fig tree and the no grass around it, all of a sudden I noticed that a uh, tomato plant is coming up. And I'm thinking, oh, what do I do? Should I take that tomato plant out and put it into another part of my garden, or should I put it in a pot that's, and try to get it to grow there? That's or a leave little it alone. Well, <laughs> or leave it alone. You got three options, and you, you know, and they're totally up to you. Okay, it, oh. uh, it'll grow out there where it's at, unless we have a freeze, and that'll probably kill it. Uh, you can oh. take it out if it's small and put it into another pot and grow it on the patio okay. on the south side. And that's okay. a great place for a tomato this time of year. Okay. And you can replant it back out somewhere else after the frost, like the middle of February. Uh-huh. Or, oh. you know, or you could transplant it out there now if you had another garden bed with tomatoes growing in it. And you don't know exactly what kind of t- tomatoes it's going to make, you know. Uh-huh. It's obviously right. an open-pollinated tomato that got left in the garden. So, at any yeah, rate, it- they're all good options. Yes, I think I like the one with the pot better because I can adjust, I can control the uh, cold coldness that's mm-hmm. going to be coming, could be coming. Yeah, awesome. um, Yeah, and I have another question. During the summer, my rosemary and some of my um, uh, my trees, my citrus trees, I have a metal, I have a uh, block fence, and then they grow on this block fence. And I noticed that a lot, some of the branches in the back uh, have died. 
and the front part looks okay. okay. Should I try to have somebody cut that dead part out or just leave it alone? Well, you can do it either way. It's probably because it's shaded and not getting any light anymore. Uh-huh. You know, as it gets shaded back there by the wall, it's really not going to grow any. And, and after some time, it'll it'll kind of just succumb to the lack of light. And you can prune that off, and it's not going to hurt the tree at all. Should I do that now or just leave it alone? Depends if it bugs you or not. If it bugs you, do it today. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not bugging me. I was just thinking, uh, is it best to do it ahead of time and maybe some new growth would come up? But I'll just leave it alone. Maybe it's protecting it with that metal, with a block fence a little bit. Well, it, I don't you know. know. It, it, should, it shouldn't really hurt anything. It's probably because of a lack of light. and It really is not going to make much difference. And the citrus trees are, still, are about finished growing for the season. So you're not going to get uh, any new growth to come out. But uh, whichever yeah. you decide is fine. Okay. Sounds good. And I have Super Thrive. Should I use that on the new? if I decide to transplant the tomato plant? You know, it's always a wonderful product for anything you're transplanting, Cynthia. Oh, okay. How often do you use it? Well, usually once when you're transplanting. You know, if you got something that's stressed, you could use it like oh. stress for the heat, too. I mean, it works for a lot of different things. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. All okay. Right. Well, thank you so Thanks, much, Cynthia. Brian. Appreciate all your information. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Oh, let's see. Next, we've got Jerry in Ahwatukee. Hi, Jerry. Hello, Brian. Uh wanted to talk a little bit about this tomato fertilizer. Mm-hmm. When I went to, I, I bought a tomato plant early in September, and I started looking at the different fertilizers, and I noticed the uh, nitrogen, the phosphate, and the potash numbers varied between the different manufacturers. Mm-hmm. And so I looked around, and I had some crepe myrtle fertilizer here, and its numbers were 8557 so I realized the phosphate number was pretty high, but I said, I'm just going to go with it because all the different manufacturers are having different numbers. Let me give it a try. <laughs> well, that's not <laughs> a bad idea. Actually, when you're putting high phosphorus on a plant like a tomato, okay, it's going to mm-hmm. help it root faster and bloom better. So if you bought a product called Super Bloom, which, you know, a lot of people use for flowers and annuals and things, sounds an awful lot like your crepe fertilizer uh, fertilizer, you know, so uh, that's fine. You know, what, what helps with tomatoes that's kind of different than other fertilizers is calcium. So you may find some like a happy frog t- tomato fertilizer that's higher in calcium. But, uh, you know, most and, and here in our soil, we could need to add calcium. But um, aside oh, okay. from that, I mean, you know, there's a lot of different ways to do things. But typically the first number, the first two are the ones that make the biggest difference. And they're usually going to be the most different. But it's something that's high in nitrogen. So the first number is higher than the second is going to promote more growth. And something that's higher in the second mm-hmm. number is going to promote more bloom and root growth. Okay, well, this plant's about four foot tall almost now. <laughs> it's tall enough. I, I, I think your 855 seven is probably perfect. <laughs> it's getting loaded with blooms, and I got about four tomatoes on it already. Well, it sounds great, Jerry. And, and you know, really, uh, 855 to grow a tomato. Because see, even like miracle Grow, it's like 1530. So it's a lot higher in phosphorus than it is in nitrogen. And once your tomato yeah. plant's already four foot tall, you certainly don't need it to get to where you have to get a ladder to pick tomatoes. <laughs> yeah, I thought, well, it's the best looking tomato plant I ever had. But I was well. I, I, kind of taking I, you know, a little risk there with that 55, I thought. No, but. 55. The other thing about phosphorus is it's pretty hard for it to burn. Nitrogen's really easy to burn with, but phosphorus yeah. is kind of hard to get too much. 
Hey, I got one last little quick question for you since I got you on the phone. Is this potash number, is that the same thing as taking uh, ash out of your barbecue pit and throwing it on your plant? Well, not not exactly, but it, uh, you know, that that's probably destroying it on your plants probably is. As you're making a compost pile, it would be good to add, though. Oh, okay. So, okay. Give you a lot of extra it, uh, carbon, just, too, which is kind of a good thing. So, I mean, that, it's not, not bad, but it's not going to be the same as a regular potash. Oh, okay. So, so put, it in the, put it in the compost pile, then. That's the best thing to do with it, huh? Okay, great. I sure have, I have plenty of that. All right. Well, All th- right, thank Brian. you, Jerry. That, that's, a, that's great. That's great. I really appreciate your, your answer there. Have a nice weekend. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back with Becky, then Sandy, then Owen. And if you would like to be after Owen, all you have to do is give us a call. Actually, you're going to be giving Miss Shira a call at 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Where's your wings, little angel? Sunday morning. I want to take a minute and invite you out to Whitfields. You know, at Whitfields, we grow trees. Yes, it started a long time ago, even before I was born. And that was a really long time ago with my grandparents at our little nursery at 8th Street and Glendale Avenue. They had a citrus grove there, and my grandfather used to raise citrus trees. And, and we continue on now for four generations. If you need trees, any kind, any size, come out and see us. We can deliver and plant them before your holiday for a present. You want to give somebody something that's going to last forever? Why not give them a tree? Um, our original store is at 824 East Glendale in the East Valley at Cooper, which is the same as Stapley and Guadalupe, or 2647 East Southern Avenue. Now, this is Christmas tree season. It officially kicked off the uh, day before yesterday. So we do have Christmas trees, too, at all those locations and at our place by Hanson's at 64th Street and Bell Road. And um, we we grow lots of trees, lots of different. We don't actually grow the Christmas trees, no. We have live trees too at all the nursery locations. But at any rate, the Christmas trees come from a few different sources. We have the silver tips that come from the high Sierras in California. We have the we have nobles, and uh, let's see, we've got some really beautiful Turkish firs, and we've got Frasers, and that's all the varieties we have right now because that's all the varieties that really well you can put up this early and expect to last through Epiphany. But we will have, after next week, we'll have in Douglas firs and Grand firs as well. And we can put those up around the, you know, the first week of December and they'll make it through Christmas and Epiphany as well. Wonderful smells, wonderful fragrances on those trees. But we grow trees, or we actually sell trees in sizes from about four foot all the way up to 15 or 16 foot. And it's been a family tradition now for over 35 years with Whitfields and we have a lot of fun. We're not going to do the late night hours uh, this week until Thursday. And Thursday on we'll have later hours. But for right now we'll be open. Open today till 530, so later than our regular Sunday hours. And uh, 
then we'll open at 10. And then uh, next week uh, we'll be open regular hours, but we'll stay open after Thursday until 7 o'clock at night at the nursery locations and probably till 9 o'clock at the lot location. If you're looking for your best Christmas tree ever, come out and see us, and uh, we can show you how to keep it happy. Most important thing is is to keep water. It likes to drink. And, uh, and put it up when you're ready. There's no hurry. We have lots of trees that still aren't even cut yet. So we'll have plenty of nice Christmas trees for the next three weeks. Whitfield Nurseries for four generations growing trees here for Air Arizona's future. Uh, we'll get back to the phones, and we have uh, Becky in Scottsdale first. Good morning, Becky. Good morning, Brian. I have a question about my Texas mountain laurel tree. It's been in the ground about 15 years or so, so we've been training it to be a tree. It's probably about seven or eight feet tall. It's always been beautiful, and now all of a sudden it seems all the leaves are yellowing on the ends. What could that be? The leaves are brown and the skies are gray? It's California, yeah, it's California like. <laughs> Dreaming, I think, is, is the name of the song. Um, no, on a Texas Mountain Laurel, it could be getting too wet or too dry. How, how, how is it watered and where do you live? It, it's watered in the summertime every once every two to three weeks, this mm. time of year every month to five or six weeks. Okay. And it's old enough. It should be, that should be okay. Right. Um, and where do you live in Scottsdale? What cross streets? Um, Frank Lloyd Wright and Shea. Okay. We're so, just north of the Salt River Pima Reservation. Mm-hmm. So that ground drains a little faster, so it might be that it's just a little stress. Has it been kind of off-color all summer? No, not until about the last three or four weeks have we noticed that. Hmm. I gave it some Super Thrive, not knowing if that would help or well, not. Well, Super Thrive would help. What would probably help it more is some uh, higher nitrogen fertilizer. Okay. Um, if you had like 21-7-14 lawn fur- fruit or if you had... Um, Miracle Grow or you know Peters or how about 10, what 10, we 10, put 10. on our citrus trees? Citrus tree fertilizer is ideal. Okay, perfect. Okay, so go ahead and feed it, and uh, you know if it's still kind of a little lackluster, I would I would just check, but probably watering it once every you know three to four weeks in the in the winter time is not going to hurt it. So okay. it might up the water a little bit too. Okay, sounds okay. good. We'll give it a try. All right, thanks, Becky. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Sandy in Peoria. Good morning, Sandy. Good morning. Um, I have about a 30-year-old carob tree, and uh, through the summer I, I watered like you told me. Um, but for the winter now, do I still keep deep watering that tree every week? or? No, no, no. Now you can go like once a month. Once a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, okay. it's, it's, we've gotten past the hard times. Now it's headed for the good times. And uh, so once a month is, is more than enough. Okay, my next question, watering again, I have the Perella and um, Aruella mm-hmm. and uh, Yellow Bells. How much do I water those now in the winter? Sandy, how long have they been planted? Uh, you guys put them in uh, last spring. Okay, probably once every two weeks. Every two weeks. Mm-hmm. And um, the next question is I had a Japanese privet that died in a row of 12. Should I wait till spring to put in a new one, or is that, can I put it in now? You know, now would be just as good a time, if not better, than spring. Oh, okay. Wonderful. And also, um, the 21714, can I use that to fertilize all the bushes I just mentioned? You can. Yeah, just, just okay. not too much at one time, but it's a, it's a great balanced fertilizer. You know, it actually works exceedingly well in the wintertime because it has ammonium nitrate and it, and it works faster. Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much. Thanks, Sandy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Owen in Queen Creek. Hello, Owen. Hello. Good morning. And it is a good morning. Hey. Pretty one. 
My citrus trees are loaded with fruit. Does it help to keep them juicy if we water more, or how much should we water this? Great question, now? but just the opposite. Okay, so like on navel oranges, especially in tangelos and all the sweet varieties, okay, you want to let them get dry. Um, and the drier is, the, the, the higher the sugar content in the fruit, the sweeter it's going to be. Um, how old are your trees, Owen? Uh, seven years. Okay, so I would water them probably once every two to three weeks right now. Okay. And most of the navels are going to get to be their best around Christmas time. So make sure that before, you know, Christmas, you, you cut them off like three weeks ahead of that with the water. And then um, go out and stick a screwdriver in the ground. If it's not, uh, if it's not dry, don't water again until it gets dry. Last year in Queen Creek with our orchard, because of all the rains, we cut off our water on December 15th and we didn't water again in our navels till March 1st. Okay. So don't, you know, if you want the Thank best you. fruit, you want to keep the fruit kind of dry. The only other difference there, oh. Owen, is if you have like a lemon or lime and a hard freeze, then you're going to want to water them. Okay? Okay. Thank you. I just wanted to, uh, just got a few moments left, folks. And, uh, you know, a lot of things are happening. And you probably got the theme of our music today. You know, there's really no time for hate. But, uh, you know, a 9-11 probably bought the U.S. citizens here closer together than anything that's happened in recent memory. And the the... 10-7 has done the same thing for Israel. You know, we tend to get together and we always want to go out and find the person that's guilty and, and fix the problem. But, you know, when we bring people together with each other, you know, our response to 9-11 here in the United States killed hundreds of thousands of people and killed millions of, and created millions of enemies for us throughout the world, which we may never in our lifetime fix. And the world can grow up and learn that the same actions that produce the same results. You know, we're never going to end hate with hate. The only way for hate to end is love and forgiveness. Be back next Sunday.